Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 60 Minutes ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year, with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Anyone who tells you that Donald Trump is not going to be a tough opponent is kidding themselves. He is getting unbelievable amounts of money from his billionaire friends, and they have a strong base of support. Senator Bernie Sanders is now the Democratic frontrunner. Could he beat President Trump? And will his Democratic Socialist message stand up to more moderate views in his own party? One of the criticisms of you in the Senate, Joe Biden, has said that you never got anything done. Amy Klobuchar has been... Are you getting mad? I'm mad. I'm, mad. I'm just... You exhale in a way. silently hissing, that's all. <laughs> 298 men, women, and children were murdered while traveling from Amsterdam to Malaysia after an anti-aircraft missile shredded their airliner over Ukraine. No one has ever taken responsibility. But tonight, you will hear the evidence and the testimony of those who lost family in such an unimaginable way. I want to know who killed my children. This musical prodigy has been performing around the world since he was 11 years old. And he's blind, which caught the attention of this neuroscientist who wanted to see what would happen inside his brain. Okay, should we give it a shot? Yep. The part that's used for sight when he listens to music. This is what changes in his brain. Jeez. Lights up. I'm Leslie Stahl. I'm Bill Whitaker. I'm Anderson Cooper. I'm Sharon Alfonsi. I'm Scott Pelley. Those stories and more tonight on 60 Minutes. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. 
fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Bernie Sanders had an impressive win last night in the Nevada caucuses. He also won in the New Hampshire primary and leads the Democratic field in national polls. It's a stunning turn of events for a man who calls himself a Democratic Socialist and is the first to admit he's been preaching the same populist progressive message for decades. As the mayor of Burlington, Vermont, then a U.S. congressman, now an independent senator who caucuses with the Democrats, Sanders has been arguing that the very rich should pay higher taxes so that everyone can have health care, education, and a decent-paying job. Sanders is 78 years old and is filling arenas with huge crowds of young, enthusiastic supporters. He's used to being the underdog, but now, grudgingly, has to admit, in the Democratic race for president, he's the front-runner. After your entire career, to now be the front-runner of the Democratic Party? Yes, that is a bit shocking. I will agree. (laughs) I will agree with you there. The Democratic Party has moved to you, if anything. In many ways, they have. And and the ideas that seem radical four years ago are now kind of mainstream. The ideas are still pretty radical. I mean, you've been saying with pride that you're making a lot of people nervous. You said Wall Street's getting nervous, the insurance industry is getting nervous, drug companies are getting nervous, and the Democratic establishment is getting nervous. that's what I said. You know what? They should be getting nervous. You're also making, though, a lot of Democratic voters nervous. I don't think so. I, look, <clears throat> you know, you have a lot of candidates out there, and each candidate has his or her supporters. But a lot of voters are voting for candidates who aren't calling for Medicare for all, who aren't calling for a revolution. Is everybody really wanting a revolution like that? Uh, you know, let's go easy on the word re- political revolution. You know, we're, we're trying to follow... In you, the f- you're the one who's used well, to the I word. Mean, you know, but I don't want people, you know, to overstate that. But here is the point. It's not good enough to complain... Oh, I cannot afford my health care. I can't afford child care. I can't afford to send my kid to college. I'm paying half of my income in rent. You know, if you're not happy about that, you've got to be involved in the political process. Only millions of people standing up for justice can bring about the kind of change that this country requires. And I believe that has got to happen. Thank you. Thank you. Sanders says the change he envisions most closely resembles Scandinavian and European countries with democratic governments and comprehensive social programs. That's certainly not how President Trump has characterized it. Well, I think he's a communist. And it's not just President Trump. At the debate this past week in Las Vegas, this is how former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg responded to one of Sanders' proposals to require greater employee ownership of large companies. I can't think of a ways that would make it easier for Donald Trump to get reelected than listening to this conversation. It's ridiculous. We're not going to throw out capitalism. We tried that. Other countries tried that. It was called communism, and it just didn't work. You said it was a cheap shot that he said. What's going to happen on the stage with, with President Trump? He's going to be doing shots all the time on you on this. And you know what? We will fight back, and this is what we will bring up. We will bring up is that the president of the United States is a pathological liar. <clears throat> and it is increasingly clear that many people just don't believe anything that he says. He is a fraud. I look forward to taking him on. What is democratic socialism? When Donald Trump was a private businessman in New York, he got $800 million in tax breaks and subsidies to build 
luxury housing. That's called corporate socialism. What democratic socialism is about is saying, let's use the federal government to protect the interests of working families. Back in the 1980s, Sanders had some positive things to say about the former Soviet Union and the Sandinistas in Nicaragua. And everybody was totally convinced. Here he is explaining why the Cuban people didn't rise up and help the U.S. overthrow Cuban leader Fidel Castro. He educated the kids, gave them health care, totally transformed the society. We're very opposed to the authoritarian nature of Cuba. But, you know, you got, it's unfair to simply say everything is bad. You know, when Fidel Castro came into office, you know what he did? He had a massive literacy program. Is that a bad thing? Even though Fidel Castro did it? There's a lot of dissidents imprisoned in, in Cuba. That's right, and we condemn that. Unlike Donald Trump, let's be clear, you want to, I do not think that Kim Jong-un is a good friend. I don't trade love letters with a murdering dictator. Vladimir Putin, not a great friend of mine. A month ago, Sanders was told by U.S. intelligence that Vladimir Putin's government has been attempting to help his campaign. Last week, lawmakers were briefed that Moscow is also trying to help re-elect President Trump. On Friday, Sanders offered this message to Putin. And again, as president of the United States, Mr. Putin, you will not interfere in our elections. You believe winning absolutely relies on a voter turnout that this country has never seen before. That's right. I, I think, look, anyone who tells you that Donald Trump is not going to be a tough opponent is kidding themselves. The way you beat Trump is bring non-traditional voters into the political process. Donald Trump got elected talking to white middle-class Americans, uh, white working-class Americans, promising to, to make America great again. Your stump speech, your critics say, sounds like nothing works in America, hasn't for generations. Is America great? In many ways, we are. In some ways, very significant ways, we're not. We're not great when half of our people today are living paycheck to paycheck. When 500,000 people tonight are going to be sleeping out on the streets, including 30,000 veterans. You know, my father came to this country at the age of 17 without a nickel in his pocket, couldn't speak a word of English, had very limited education. We are a great nation because people like my father would never have dreamed in a million years that their kids would become United States senators or be successful in many other ways. How much of your political beliefs are based on your experiences growing up in Brooklyn with your family? A lot, Anderson, a lot. Uh, I grew up, uh, and I don't want to hear anyone to think I'm, we were desperately poor. We were not. My father worked every day of his life. He worked very hard, just never made a whole lot of money. And, you know, as a kid, it stays with you your whole life. These are the things you don't forget the incredible arguments between my mom and my dad uh, over money. Uh, you know, why don't we have enough money to do this? And should we buy this and do that? And why are you buying this clothing? And blah, 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 blah. Your mom got sick yes. when you were a teenager. Mm -hmm. Does that inform your view on medical policy, on Medicare for All and all of that? I don't like to you know, talk about personal stuff that much, but it does. It's interesting you don't like to talk a lot about personal stuff. Most people running on a campaign, they want people to know that side of them. Why do you think that's not important? I'm not saying it's not important. I mean, I'm a kind of private person in a sense, and I, and I, uh, you know, not particularly anxious to tell the world about everything personal in my life. One of the things obviously people do know about is you had a heart attack a few months ago. If you're elected running for a second term, you'd be 82 years old. Somebody running for a second term at 82, shouldn't that give voters pause? Well, I haven't won the first term yet, so let's, <laughs> you know, we'll see what happens on the second term. You know, being old has an advantage. 
in the sense that the issues that I fight for are not new to me. One of the criticisms of you in the Senate, Joe Biden has said that you never got anything done. Amy Klobuchar has been, are you getting mad? I'm mad. I'm, mad. I'm just, <laughs> you just silently hissing, that's all. <laughs> Amy Klobuchar has said to be a progressive, you have to make progress, uh, implying you haven't. Georgetown University study that you had one of the worst records for bipartisan cooperation in the Senate. Oh, boy. Dead wrong, dead wrong, dead wrong. When I was in the House year after year after year, I passed more bipartisan amendments than anybody else in the House. In terms of getting your bills through Congress, we found, I think, what, seven bills that you were the primary sponsor on that got enacted. Two of them were involved naming post office buildings. Yeah, but if you look at the Affordable Care Act, my name was not on that bill. But you speak to anybody in Congress. I led the effort to bring $11 billion more into community health centers and expand our primary health care in this country. I mean, as you well know, Anderson, Congress is a complicated place. There is profound skepticism in Congress about Sanders' ability to get his agenda passed. Two-thirds of Democrats in the Senate haven't signed on to Medicare for All, which would cost an estimated 30 to $40 trillion over 10 years. And that's just one of Bernie Sanders' many proposals. There's also free public college, cancellation of all student debt, a federal job guarantee, and a Green New Deal to rapidly reduce carbon emissions. How much will that cost? Obviously, those are expensive propositions, but we have done our best on issue after issue uh, in paying for them. Do you know how all, how much, though? I mean, do you have a price tag for, for all of this? We do. I mean, you know, and, and uh, the, the price tag is it will be substantially less than letting the current system go. I think it's about $30 trillion. That's just for Medicare for All? Just, just Medicare about. for All, yes. Do you have a, a price tag for all of these things? No, I don't. We try to, no, you mentioned making public colleges and universities tuition-free and canceling all student debt. That's correct. That's what I want to do. We pay for that through a modest tax on Wall Street speculation. But you say you don't know what the total price is, but you know how it's going to be paid for. How do you know it's going to be paid for if you don't know how much the price is? Well, I can't, you know, I can't rattle off to you every nickel and every dime. But we have accounted for it. You, you talked about Medicare for All. We have options out there that will pay for it. Taxes on corporations and billionaires are the primary options he's proposed. But to finance Medicare for All, middle-class families would also pay an additional 4% tax on their income over $29,000. Sanders says they'll end up saving money because they won't have to pay premiums, co-pays, or deductibles. But under Medicare for All, nearly 160 million Americans will have to give up their private health insurance. Isn't that a dangerous message for Democrats to say, you know what, we're going to take away your private insurance. We're, we're going to give you something better well, let's run by the government. A let's, lot of people don't trust It's not run by the government. Medicare allows you to go to any doctor you want. For better or worse, this is not socialized medicine. This is keeping the same system intact but getting rid of the private insurance companies, giving people another card which announced them complete freedom. Though he's campaigning as a champion of the poor, Bernie Sanders became a millionaire four years ago, thanks largely to royalties from his best-selling book, Our Revolution. His Democratic rivals have given him some grief about it during the debates. You know what they're getting at. They're suggesting that it's hypocritical to criticize yeah, the wealthy, well, it's it's say they're not fair in their share. We pay our fair share of taxes. He doesn't think billionaires like Michael Bloomberg are paying their fair share. Nor does he think much of the job Bloomberg did as mayor. I think the more people understand Bloomberg's record as mayor of New York, 
where he engaged in horrifically racist policies of stop and frisk. People in America don't want that. You have promised to support the Democratic nominee. Personally, though, the idea of you going out campaigning for Michael Bloomberg, a billionaire, how would that even work? I mean, can uh, you honestly tell your supporters to support this well, billionaire? Well, I, I think this is the problem of a Bloomberg candidacy. It's not just my supporters. He is not going to be a strong candidate. But what I have said, and you quoted me correctly, is I said on day one, I will support the Democratic nominee, no matter who that nominee may be. At the end of our interview, Sanders unveiled a new plan that would guarantee free, high-quality child care and pre-kindergarten to every kid in the country from infancy to age four. So what we are calling for is universal child care. How are you going to pay for this? We have a tax on wealth to pay for that. For all the people who like the idea of it, there are going to be a lot of Democrats again who are saying, well, wait a minute, yet again... This is another program that it's not clear how it's going to get paid for. No, it it's just going to, be, going to add it to... It is clear how it's going to be paid for. Look, Anderson... But it's just more taxes. It's taxes on billionaires, you know? You know, I get a little bit tired of hearing my opponents saying, um, gee, how are you going to pay for a program that impacts and helps children or working-class families or middle-class families? How are you going to pay for that? And yet... Where are people saying, how are you going to pay for over $750 billion on military spending? How are you going to pay for a trillion dollars in tax breaks to the 1% in large corporations, which was what Trump did? When you help the billionaires and you help Wall Street, hey, of course we can pay for it. That's what America's supposed to be about. Well, I disagree. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. With a single shot, 298 men, women, and children were massacred in Ukraine. The dead were traveling from Amsterdam to Malaysia when an anti-aircraft missile shredded their wide-body airliner. That was six years ago, and no one has been held accountable. The downing of Malaysia Flight 17 was a shock to the world. How could innocent civilians leaving the Netherlands on vacation to Asia lose their lives in a war Russia started with Ukraine? After a years-long investigation, Dutch prosecutors say they know who is responsible. This is the story of the hunt for the suspects, now charged with 298 counts of murder. In a Dutch hangar, heavy with the smell of fuel and fire, Malaysia Flight 17 has been resurrected from 8,000 fragments. The Boeing 777, 20 feet wide and 200 feet long, was torn by an estimated 800 pieces of shrapnel, each the size of a bullet. A warhead detonated 10 feet to the left of Captain Eugene Chu's windscreen. The Dutch Safety Board says the greatest density of holes, 102, is through his window. Shrapnel tore through the cockpit and out the other side. The cockpit sheared away, and the rest of the plane flew another minute and a half. 
passengers were thrashed by explosive decompression and a 500 mile an hour wind at 40 degrees below zero. One passenger was found wearing his oxygen mask. I want to know who killed my children. It was July 17, 2014, that Samira Kaler walked her boys, 19-year-old Shaka and 11-year-old Miguel, as far as Amsterdam airport security would let her. The youngest boy was worried. He hugged me really tight, and he told me, like, Mom, I'm so afraid to take this plane, you know, I'm so afraid. What happened when the airplane will crash? I told him, Miguel, come on, you've been on flights many times. You are with Shaka. Everything is going just to be fine. He said, you promise me? I said, I promise everything will be okay. The brothers were going to see their grandmother in Bali. Samira planned to come back to the airport the very next day because her middle son, Mika, couldn't get a seat on flight 17. So I never got a proper goodbye, said a proper goodbye, and that really is something that I have to deal with for the rest of my life. I cannot forgive myself that I promised my baby Miguel that everything will be fine. Who am I to tell him that everything is going to be okay? That's what a son wants to hear from his mother. Yeah. But I feel like I lied to him. Who am I to give him that guarantee? It's been like hell. I feel emptiness. I feel sadness. There is a hole in my heart. It will always hurt, and I miss them every day. Her boys were among 193 Dutch citizens on board. It's 9-11 for the Netherlands. Uh, the Netherlands, all people in the Netherlands were very, very, very shocked. Shrines in Dutch homes are common, including the one to Piet Ploeg's brother, sister-in-law, and nephew. His nieces didn't go on their family vacation. You had to tell your nieces what happened. I don't want to think too much about that moment. It's too emotional for me. Uh, I saw my nieces falling in each other's arms uh, when they realized their parents and their brother were, were dead. And uh, it was a terrible, terrible moment, yeah. No one had any understanding that they were going to be flying over a war zone. Oh, you didn't think about it. And, uh, uh, and after MH17, we always uh, think about it. Flight 17 was three hours into a 12-hour route when it came within range of a war. In 2014, Russia dismembered its neighbor to the west. It annexed part of Ukraine. And today, pro-Russian militias supplied and manned by Moscow are fighting to control eastern Ukraine. In the days before the Flight 17 murders, two Ukrainian military planes were shot down. But despite that, the day Flight 17 entered the airspace, 160 airliners crossed over Ukraine. It was cloudy, 
Flight 17 at 33,000 feet appeared only on radar until it fell through the clouds across 20 square miles. We consider it a national crisis because uh, if you think it was not only that we were doing a criminal investigation, but the most important thing in the beginning was the uh, recovery mission. Andy Kroc is lead investigator for the Netherlands. First, we needed to recover all the casualties to get them back home so that uh, the next of kin could mourn. Actually, we were in national mourning. In a nation so small, it seemed everyone knew someone touched by the murders. For days, convoys of hearses stretching beyond sight were met by gauntlets of grief. Fred Vesterbecki is the chief prosecutor who's been on the case from the start. Have all of the remains been identified? We were able to identify um, from the 298 uh, casualties, 296. So uh, for two people, we didn't find any remains. With no admission of guilt, 350 investigators from five countries began almost six years of work. We started with multiple scenarios in the beginning. One was, uh, was it an accident that could be discarded quite quickly? The other one, was it an explosion from inside? And the last two, most importantly, was it, was it air to air? Like, was it shot by a plane or was it service to air? Those scenarios narrowed quickly because of a technique new to the police, civilian internet investigators. Just days before the murders, Elliot Higgins started a UK-based group of online detectives that he calls Bellingcat, named for a fable of mice tying a bell to a cat to warn of danger. Higgins found images crowdsourced online. So this is one of the first videos that was shared online after MH17 was shot down, um, and it was shared claiming that this was a buck missile launcher. And how do you know across all these images that you're looking at the same convoy? So there's certain details that um, kind of leap out at us. There's the white truck, but you can see there's a um, black exhaust pipe on the side of that truck. It's a very small detail, but it does help us show that it's very similar to the truck that's in other photographs and videos. Matching randomly sourced pictures with geolocation techniques, Higgins and his colleagues spotted an anti-aircraft system in the right place on the right day. Images that had been shot earlier led him to the convoy's starting point. And that took us back to a town called Kursk. Um, and in Kursk, there's a missile brigade called the 53rd Air Defense Brigade. And we were able to establish a certain the missile launcher came from that particular brigade. And Kursk is in Russia, and the 53rd Brigade is a Russian military unit. Yes, and it was probably very likely crewed by mis uh, Russian um, crew. Higgins also discovered the missile system retreating after the shootdown with one incriminating difference. You're saying that there's a missile missing from this picture. That's right. So there's one there, there's one there, and there's one just out the back of there as well. But there should be a missile between these two missiles. It wasn't long before Elliot Higgins got a call from Dutch investigators. How important was the information that came from Bellingcat? That was pretty groundbreaking at that time. So we've learned a lot from them as well. Uh, but that's just one layer of the evidence, because we have to build up evidence that can stand in court. We also have the witnesses, forensic evidence, etc. The investigators told us layers of evidence came from the weapon itself. 
Its missile warhead is packed with a unique bowtie-shaped shrapnel. This signature shrapnel was found in the bodies of the flight crew. Another layer of evidence came in thousands of phone calls intercepted among Russians and their allies. We have just shot down a plane, a rebel commander said, before realizing the catastrophic mistake. Yet another layer of evidence was supplied by Ukrainian villagers. You have eyewitnesses to the missile launch, is that correct? More than one? I'd say I have an eyewitness, and how, ma how many? Um, uh, I didn't say how many. What military unit did the missile system come from? From the 53rd Brigade of the, of the, uh, of the Armed Forces of the Russian Federation. Is there any room for doubt in that? No, there's no doubt at all. They don't know who pushed the button. But this past summer, Dutch prosecutors charged three Russians and a Ukrainian with 298 counts of murder. Sergei Dubinsky was head of intelligence for the pro-Russia rebels in Ukraine. Prosecutors say Oleg Pulitov and Leonid Karchenko were involved in delivering the missile system. The highest-ranking Russian accused is Igor Gherkin, a retired colonel in Russian intelligence. He was in charge of the pro-Russia militia in Ukraine. We found him in Moscow, living under the protection of the Russian government. He told us, someone has to be the scapegoat, so they picked me and others who couldn't even theoretically shoot down this plane. The militia did not bring down the Boeing plane. I have no other comment. How helpful have the Russians been in this investigation over the last five years? Well, I'd say they haven't been helpful at all, because what they should have done is give us all the information and all the proof we needed in this difficult investigation. They should have told us that at the second day after it happened, they should have told us uh, we made a mistake or we did something which shouldn't have happened and they, uh, they should have come forward. That, that is what they should have done and they never did. Still unhelpful, the Russians will not extradite the defendants. If they're convicted, even though they're not in the courtroom, is that enough for you? No. Everybody will be haunted by the fact that they're still out there and not in, in custody. The trial is scheduled to begin March 9th and will be heard by a panel of three Dutch judges. Samira Kaler told us she will not attend. Pete Plog will not miss it. The families have the right to speak in court, and I wonder what you intend to say. I want them to know what they have done and, uh, uh, and what they have done to the, not only to the victims, but, only, but also the, the next of kin. They have to feel it. Prosecutors told us their investigation is continuing beyond the trial. They hope to charge additional suspects. For its part, Russia has spun any number of stories about what might have killed 298 innocent victims, stories that so far have not withstood the evidence presented by the silent witness of Malaysia Flight 17. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. 
Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Every so often, someone so young does something so amazing, you can't help but wonder, how do they do that? That's what happened the first time we heard Matthew Whitaker play piano. Matthew is a jazz pianist who is blind, and since the age of 11, he's been performing around the world. He's been called a prodigy, and his talent is so extraordinary, he's also caught the attention of scientists who are now studying his brain and trying to understand his vision of music. Whitaker doesn't just play music, he plays with it. <laughs> Twisting melodies, crafting complex harmonies, and improvising at lightning speed. It's acoustic acrobatics performed over 88 keys, and it is not for the faint of heart. This past spring, Matthew made his first appearance at the New Orleans Jazz Festival. We watch backstage with his dad. The sheer complexity and spontaneity of his sets. Yeah! Like this, look ma, no hands moment. Make the most seasoned musicians sweat. And jazz fans go wild. He plays with his shoes off so he can feel the pedals and his head turned so he can feel the crowd. This New Orleans Jazz Festival, this is the Tiffany of jazz festivals. Was this a dream? It is amazing to be here. Like, this is where jazz started. Do you get nervous before a big show like this? Honestly, I was a tiny bit nervous, but, yeah. you know, once I started playing, I, am, I felt good. Jazz Fest is a jambalaya for the senses. It's a lot of music coming at you. It's a lot. We negotiated our way through the thick rue of humidity, suffocating crowds, and the 14 stages of music that often boil over into the fairgrounds. Can you hear all the different stages? Are you like, is this like yeah, overwhelming? Right yeah, yeah. Right behind the tuba. But as we walked around, we noticed Matthew was able to cut through the sensory assault and identify songs in seconds. He's playing um, Just a Tulsa. Just a Tulsa walking with me. You got that song just that quickly? Yeah. I heard like three notes and you already know what song it is? Matthew grew up in Hackensack, New Jersey. He's just happy all the time. His parents, Moses and May Whitaker, say Matthew had an ear for music before he could even talk. Tell me about the first time he picked up an instrument. He was playing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, but he was playing it with both hands. Matt was playing the chords and the melody of the song. Had he had a lesson at this point? 
he hadn't had a lesson or anything. He was three years old. So my question was, okay, who showed him how to do that? Somebody had to show Matthew how to, how to play this song, and nobody showed him. Matthew Whitaker was born at 24 weeks. He weighed one pound, 11 ounces. His parents were told he had less than a 50% chance of survival. One of the many complications he faced was retinopathy of prematurity, a disease which can lead to blindness. I think at the time I, I didn't think he was going to make it, so it was you know, just, just very scary. May and Moses Whitaker watched helplessly as Matthew braved 11 surgeries to try and save his sight. After two anxious years, they decided they didn't want Matthew to endure anymore, even if it meant he'd be permanently blind. We just felt like he was going through too much. We were going through too much because the doctors weren't saying it was getting any better. We said, you know what, that's enough. We'll just, we'll just deal with it as it is. They told you he might not even speak? Exactly. They said that he might not crawl and he might not ever walk because he needed those things to see. You know, most, most kids, they learn to crawl, they learn to walk because they want to try to get to something. Well, Matthew couldn't see to get to anything. So a lot of his toys and stuff, we had to have sounds so that he would want to crawl, want to reach to those things. Matthew did start crawling towards music, sometimes sliding up to the speaker to feel the music. No one in his family was a musician, but his grandfather bought him his first keyboard when he was three years old. How complicated were the songs he was playing early on? They were nursery rhymes more so than anything. So they weren't that complicated, but what he was doing was, was complicated because most kids don't play with both hands and they don't play the chords and the harmonies and all of that. And Matt was doing that. So you realize he's got a gift. Yes. Let's get him a teacher. Yes, which was the difficult part. Why was that the difficult part? Because at the time, we got a lot of answers where people were saying, um, he's too young and he's three years old at the time. Or, well, I don't know how to teach a blind child. When you do this guy... Dahlia Sackis agreed to meet Matthew. Sackis is the director of music studies at the Philman M. D'Agostino Greenberg Music School in New York City, a school for the visually impaired. So we brought him over, and Dahlia played something on the, on the uh, piano, and Matt repeated it. Then she played something else, and Matt repeated it. She said, bring him in. <laughs> we'll make the exception. Dahlia has been teaching Matthew ever since. She is a classically trained concert pianist. I was performing a couple of recitals, and the Dvorak Piano Quintet is a piece actually for piano and string quartet. So there's five of us. So Matt and his mom came to hear, you know, the night I played. He comes in Saturday morning, I walk into the studio, and he's playing the opening of the Dvorak Quintet, you know. And then the cello comes in, and he knew the whole thing, and I thought, oh, no, very nice. <laughs> Jack's piano quintet is a challenging piece for five musicians. Matthew was playing his version of all five parts on his piano. Can he listen to a piece of music for the first time and then play it? Does he have that ability? Yeah. Just hearing it once? Yeah, he can pretty much get it. That's insane. Yeah, it is insane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It 
could be exhausting. Yeah, yeah, well, it was it was scary more than exhausting. Why scary? Because you didn't want to blow it. Because you have someone of this talent, of this this creativity, this enthusiasm. You don't want to squelch that. You don't want to mess up. He's obviously, you know, got something to offer to the world, and so you wanna you want to make that possible. She did. By the time he was 11, Matthew was performing around the world. His first paying gig was in Capri, Italy, where he cut his chops with seasoned jazz musicians. Since then, he's played in more than 200 clubs and concert halls around the world. That caught the attention of Dr. Charles Lim. Lim, a musician himself, is a surgeon and neuroscientist who uses MRI brain scans to better understand how exceptionally creative people do what they do. What's interesting about a kid like Matthew? Why do you want to look at his brain? I think anytime somebody watches Matthew play piano, the first thing that you think is, how does he do that? Except rather than just wondering and actually trying to answer the question. Specifically, Dr. Lim wants to know why the brains of certain artists seem better wired to give rise to new ideas. In Matthew's case, improvising. But when Dr. Lim approached the Whitakers, they were dubious. Because somebody comes to you and says, can we put your son in the scan? And right away you're thinking, you know, lab rabbit or, you know, what are they trying to do with my child? Once Dr. Lim also explained other artists had participated, the Whitakers agreed to let him scan Matthew's brain. He brought Matthew to this MRI facility at the University of California, San Francisco, and put Matthew in the scanner with a mini keyboard on his lap. Okay, should we give it a shot? Yep. Matthew played a melody with his feet keeping time while Dr. Lim and his team recorded his brain's activity levels with the MRI scanner. What you're seeing on this uh, computer screen is some brain data that we obtained from Matthew. Then Dr. Lim put Matthew through a different series of auditory tests. He showed us the results. And so we started out not by looking at music, but by looking at somebody like this who um, would give a lecture that most people would consider to be a little bit boring. An effort to alleviate the effect of the anyone, anyone? And this is what happened when he was listening to that. And then interestingly, because he is blind, we looked at his visual cortex mm -hmm. and we didn't see any significant activity there at so all. So nothing's happening. Exactly. And then we switched the soundtrack for him and we put on a band that he knows quite well, mm -hmm. Snarky Puppy. This is what changes in his brain. Jeez. Lights up. Look closely. This is his visual cortex listening to the boring lecture. And this is it listening to music. Pretty remarkable. His entire brain is stimulated by music. His visual cortex is activated throughout. It seems like his brain is taking that part of the tissue that's not being stimulated by sight and using it or maybe helping him to perceive music with it. So he's using that visual part of his brain to kind of see music, as it were? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so it's sort of borrowing that part of the brain and rewiring it to help him hear music. When they told you that your visual cortex of your brain lit up f right, for music, like that was amazing. I didn't even know that was happening. What do you think it means? I love music. <laughs> One, two, three, four. His love of music has never been in doubt. 
But Matthew's teacher, Delia Sackis, wanted to make sure Matthew wasn't just a flash-in-the-pan prodigy. Uh, I, just, I, I, I know, I know, I, I know. Just keep going. You'll get it, you'll get it. She wanted him to be a literate musician. Where's the second beat? So she decided no, but, he needed to learn to read Braille music. To do that, you have to feel, read, and remember dots that represent the music, first for the right hand and then for the left hand. It's a painstakingly slow process. How far do you want to go to? I don't know. Let's keep just going, okay? And Matthew does not like to slow down. Stay still, stay still. When we interviewed him, he was exceedingly polite and exceedingly bored. I'm so sorry. You're fine. Matthew just wants to play. May I go to the piano? So he did. At the piano, he is pure joy, jumping from the classics to Beyonce. But what's so special is how he takes those songs, any song. Oh, you're speaking to my soul now. Uh. Improvising it on the spot to make it his own. Matthew's latest album is called Now Hear This. His vision of music that a critic noted sounds like Matthew is playing with six hands. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. In the mail this week, comments on our story, The Server, which trace the origins of President Trump's unproven charges that Ukraine is concealing a Democratic Party computer server in that country. The segment on Ukraine... CrowdStrike, Russia, and Trump was so informative, you took a complicated story and made it plain and simple. Thanks. It was brave. Other viewers disagreed. Y'all are at it again. You just won't leave President Trump alone. We are sick and tired of hearing all that mess about Ukraine. Let's move on. I'm Scott Pelley. We'll be back next week with another edition of 60 Minutes. If you like 60 Minutes, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. 
It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.